Joe Biden is now the president-elect, and he's setting up his administration. He's appointed a task force to address the pandemic, connected with world leaders. And last night, he named a chief of staff. But Biden is still missing an important ingredient for the transfer of power to go into full swing. Approval from a government agency called the General Services Administration. The GSA holds the keys for a smooth transition. And in an unprecedented move, the GSA isn't handing those keys over. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Thursday, November 12th. Coming up on the show, how a little-known government agency is holding up the Biden transition and the risks that delay could pose for the country. This episode is brought to you by ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. Enter ServiceNow. It puts AI to work for people, for employees, for developers, and even your customers, removing frustration and supercharging productivity. On our intelligent platform, AI isn't just a promise. It's happening today. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Tap the banner to learn more or visit servicenow.com slash AI for people. White House reporter Andrew Rastusha has been covering the presidential transition. And he says when a new president gets ready to take office, their transition team needs resources. It's a massive, massive operation to do this transition to government, right? You have 4,000 jobs you need to fill. You have to get up to speed on what's happening at every government agency. And that requires dozens and dozens of people working behind the scenes to do that work. So when you're president-elect, it's a real position that comes with power and privileges. It's not just a waiting period. Yeah, it's not just a title. Typically, you would get a huge amount of government office space. You would get access to classified briefings, the same ones that the president of the United States gets. You get government email addresses. You get millions of dollars in funding to help you do this transition. You get access to the State Department, which can set up calls to foreign leaders. You get access to the FBI's background check system. And then you also get access to these classified documents, which basically lay out all the threats that the country is facing. The sooner a president-elect can get access to resources, the better. The reason it's important to get it now is that you need to start now so that you can have these people ready to go. So as you're setting up cabinet nominations, for example, all those people need to go through a really complicated process about financial disclosures and background checks. That can take weeks. It's like the most complicated onboarding process. Exactly. Yeah. So it's the same thing. Like if you're if you start a new job and your HR team has all this paperwork for you and you're frustrated because it takes a couple of days, this could take three weeks, four weeks, a month, a month and a half. And what are the risks of a bumpy transition? The U.S. is uniquely vulnerable during a transition from one president to the next. National security experts warn that we're uniquely vulnerable to a terrorist attack, for example. Really, after 9-11, there was a realization that, oh my gosh, if this terrorist attack had happened on January 20th, 2001, right as George W. Bush was taking over, where would we be? Would we be ready? And so the Congress really 
you know, took that to heart and passed legislation that basically set up this process that we're talking about right now. And the biggest rationale for that legislation was national security. There's also a huge amount of uncertainty in terms of, you know, how the next president is going to deal with the economy. So people will really be looking to see who the president-elect names as Treasury Secretary, for example, especially right now when the economy is so uncertain. The National Economic Council at the White House will be crucial. And the goal of these processes is to make sure that on January 20th at noon, there is no daylight between the former president and the current president, that literally at noon, Joe Biden can walk into the Oval Office and begin working. But right now... It's an open question whether things will go that smoothly. Because to have a seamless transition, the Biden team needs government resources. That would come from the GSA, which normally does relatively mundane administrative work. They basically work on government real estate. They do acquisitions of property. They set up office space. It's a pretty sleepy agency, typically. But every time a new president is elected, the GSA plays a critical role in the transition of power. They ascertain the winner of the presidential election. Ascertaining is the technical term. So they're not naming a winner. They're not deciding who the winner is. They're using all the available information to say, okay, it looks like this person won. And they write that in a letter and they send that out to the president-elect and they send it to the current president And once that happens, a huge flow of government resources goes to the president-elect. And that's really when the president-elect becomes official in the most formal sense, and then he can move forward with the transition. There's one thing holding that up right now. The GSA still has not ascertained that Joe Biden is the winner. This is uncharted territory, because typically the GSA looks to the Associated Press to say who won the election. The Associated Press is considered to be the definitive source for calling elections. And for some people, that's a little bit strange. They ask, why does the media play this role? And the reason is because we don't have, like other countries, this sort of national federal election commission that makes a decision on election night or in the days after about who wins races. We have individual secretaries of state in each state that will certify the results of an election. That often comes days or weeks later. And so we're relying on news outlets. And they've been doing this for more than 100 years. The Associated Press has an amazing track record of this stuff. And on election day, what they do is they hire 4,000 freelance journalists and they send them out to counties all over the country. And they actually phone in or through a computer system, enter the raw voting data into this giant database. And the AP has a team that analyzes this data and makes projections in each state. Historically, the GSA has considered this call from the AP enough to kickstart the transfer of power. But this year, the AP has already called the race, and the GSA isn't following suit. President Trump and fellow Republicans have questioned whether the election is really over. They haven't yet recognized the results, and they're challenging ballot counts in several states. But mostly these legal challenges are sort of nipping around the periphery. There's almost no mathematical possibility for President Trump to catch up to Joe Biden at this point, barring some major, major change based on these legal challenges. None of them are likely to just completely overturn a state. So at this point, you know, even people in the president's inner circle, even the president's own advisors, according to my reporting, will privately acknowledge that Joe Biden is likely to be the next president. Are those lawsuits why the GSA hasn't made the call? 
Well, it's a little bit unclear. I think they're taking their cues from the president. And because the president hasn't conceded, um, a political appointee, Emily Murphy, at the General Service Administration has also refused to certify the results of the election. What has the GSA said publicly about why they're not helping with the transition? They've said that they're not certifying the results of the election because it remains in dispute, which, of course, is questionable. They've said that there is precedent for waiting, and they pointed to 2000 and the Bush v. Gore election. They've said that in that case, the GSA did wait. So what is the GSA doing now? Are they helping the Biden team set up the transition? So the GSA did some initial helping of the Biden transition team before the election under federal law. At the most basic level, they gave them a small office space that could seat about 100 people, which the Biden transition isn't even using because of the pandemic. Uh, So they did some minor things. But right now, essentially, they're in wait-and-see mode, and they're not doing anything until we get this determination. And the Trump administration has instructed federal agencies not to welcome members of the Biden transition team into these agencies, which is another kind of crucial part of the transition. And what has been the Biden team's reaction? They are expressing deep frustration about the lack of momentum to be able to move on to the transition. Notably, Joe Biden, though, has publicly downplayed the threat for himself. At a news conference this week, he was asked about it and he said, look, you know, I can't control what they're going to do. We're going to do the best we can. I will be president on January 20th and we're going to kind of make it work. We're going to work with what we've got. So I'm confident that uh, the fact that they're not willing to acknowledge we won at this point is uh, not of much consequence in our planning and what we're able to do between now and January 20th. Even though Biden is projecting confidence... Behind the scenes, it's not so easy. He has basically one hand tied behind his back as he's preparing to take over the government. More on that after the break. This episode is brought to you by Workday. Get the whole band together with Workday and pair finance and HR on one platform for an epic performance. With Workday AI at the core, you'll make confident decisions faster than ever. And you'll drive flawless business and finance operations with an agile platform that constantly evolves to future-proof your organization. Be a finance and HR rock star with Workday. Visit Workday.com to learn more. The GSA's decision to hold off on the transfer of power is unprecedented. But the Biden team had been preparing for a bumpy transition. They began planning for the possibility that the Trump administration would throw up roadblocks to the transition well before the election, months before the election. And they began writing these alternative plans, sort of what we would do in this very case that's unfolding. Because the president, notably, had been telegraphing the possibility that he would question the election results for months before the election. And what does that mean for how they're approaching the transition now that it's happening? So what they're doing now is they have 500 people they just announced this week who are assigned to every agency in the government. And those people are 
using as many public resources as they can find to figure out what's going on at these agencies, what regulations are on the docket, and they're writing plans for implementation of Biden's agenda. The transit team is also coming up with lists of candidates for top positions. They announced this week their chief of staff. They're expected to announce more senior staff positions in the coming days. So they're doing as much as they can, but they're doing it without the help of the federal government. For somebody like Ron Klain, who Biden just named as his chief of staff, how will it affect what he is able to do? Yeah, so typically you'd begin meeting with existing members of the administration that you're replacing. So, you know, in a, in a normal administration, you might begin to have conversations with the outgoing chief of staff, in this case, Mark Meadows. As far as we know, none of that is happening. Mr. Klain is in charge of basically setting up a government in miniature right now that can then be overlaid on our existing government once the inauguration happens. He can do that to the best of his ability using public information and, and his own sort of smarts. He's been in government before. He knows how it works. But he can't go into our government right now. Uh, nobody on the transition can. And I should note that Biden has received some classified briefings even during the campaign. These are sort of lower-level classified briefings that would go to any candidate. Those still happened. What he's not receiving is the Presidential Daily Brief, which is this big, thick book that the president gets every day that lists threats all over the world, includes really, really classified secret information about what the NSA and the CIA and the FBI have picked up over the last 24 hours. Typically, the president-elect would have access to those documents with the idea that he needs to know this information so he can get going on day one. Biden is not getting that right now. Biden is also not getting access to the key intelligence agencies through his team in order to prepare for taking over there, the State Department, the CAA, the NSA, all those agencies. The Biden team is saying they may take legal action against the GSA. What would that look like, and do they have a shot? So the Biden transition aides had put out this idea that they might take legal action. Joe Biden, at his press conference this week, sort of downplayed that possibility. So I should say we're, not, we're really unsure if that's going to happen. If it were to happen, I think that they would face an uphill battle. And the reason being is the underlying statute that lays out this process that the GSA will certify the results of the election is really vague. It doesn't say when that needs to happen. It doesn't say the sort of parameters for how that works. It just says that the administrator of the General Service Administration should determine a, quote, apparent winner. And it has no instructions on how that should be done. So that makes a legal challenge really difficult. When does the GSA say they will acknowledge a winner? They haven't said. They haven't given a timeline. They haven't given any information. They've been releasing the same basic statement every day since right after the election was called on Saturday that their position hasn't changed. They're evaluating it. So we're really, we're just checking in with them every day at this point. Is there a moment when the GSA would be forced to acknowledge a winner? Certainly. I mean, after the Electoral College has its vote, I can't imagine that they'd be able to hold off after that. But before that, in December, we're going to start seeing certifications from each state. And I think that will really be the period where they will come under even more pressure to make a decision. And the Journal has reported that the Trump administration is considering lawsuits to stop the certification process. Yeah, that's right. I mean, they've actually already filed a few lawsuits to do that, including in Pennsylvania, that would say the Secretary of State can't certify the election until our concerns have been addressed. 
They haven't had a great track record in the court so far. Judges have not backed their claims. So it's unclear if the certification process will really be slowed down. But part of the strategy here is to slow this down as much as possible and to potentially upturn these certifications. And let's say things from here on out go according to normal and the results get certified and the Electoral College meets and there is a result that the GSA acknowledges, Biden could still lose a month of productive transition time. Why does that matter? It matters because every day of this process is important, according to people who have done it before. You know, veterans of this process say that you really can't overstate how complicated it is. They have these three crises that are happening. Like we have the existing you know, electoral crisis, you have the economy, and you have the pandemic. And in a normal world where everything was operating as it should, it would be a really difficult transition already, you know? So these are really important issues that you really need every day you can possibly get to prepare for. But just to kind of poke at that a little bit, like there are hundreds of thousands of federal workers who are there doing the job of running the government every day, and they will stay regardless of who is president. So is it really such a big deal? I mean, that's a fair point. I mean, you have career government officials who typically stay on no matter who is president. Certainly their expertise on national security, on health, on the economy isn't going to go away and that will always be there. So we don't want to be overly alarmist here, but they take their cues from these you know, thousands of people that are going to be coming in on January 20th. What do you make of this moment? We're sort of in a limbo period. Right now... We have a president-elect, but we have a sitting president who is refusing to concede the race and refusing to acknowledge that we have a president-elect. This is, you know, the future of our country, and the entire world is looking to this moment. And they're looking for certainty, and they're looking for a message of competency and a smooth transition of power. And so it's really the biggest story out there right now. all for today, Thursday, November 12th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like our show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.